This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome back. This is The Informer on Joy 94.9. I'm your host, Arian Potts. There's a new documentary on the furry fandom. It's talking about the history of the furry fandom, the, the role the furry fandom has as a massive space for LGBTIQA plus people, and how and about self-expression generally. It's opening on July. It'll be released on July 3rd. The project was led by independent filmmaker Ash Kreese, otherwise known as Ash Coyote to her fans, and the informer got the chance to sit down with her to discuss the fandom, the film, and why you should watch it. Fandom. I imagine for a couple of our listeners, some of them might have spat their drinks out, um, but a lot of listeners might not know what furry is. So would you like to, in as, uh, in, in as fun way as possible, describe what what is furry? That's a tough one because, you know, furry is a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, I, I would say the most unifying characteristic of furries is that we're all just kind of fans of the anthropomorphic arts. And beyond that, we're a community kind of focused on self-expression within that that little kind of subsect of identity. Um, we like to assign uh, animal traits to our own personalities. And that's kind of like what really sets us apart from like a, a comic book fandom, for example, where you're a fan of a property, like who knows, you know, maybe you're a big fan of Wonder Woman or something, right? that's that's the extent of that but with furry we're all fans of each other and we're fans of like the animal characters so yeah so so it's less about being a fan of a like let's say harry potter for the harry potter fandom it's less about being a fan of an individual work of art or entertainment and more about being a fan of a genre or a style exactly exactly and i think that that actually kind of lends itself to the longevity of the community itself. I mean, it really makes it, you know, we've we've been around for quite a while, as you'll find out. There's, there's only so much Harry Potter and so much Sherlock. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, so your documentary, The Fandom, focuses on the history of the furry fandom. Is that correct? That is correct. So we kind of did a in-depth exploration of the history and origins the furry fandom, and then kind of set that against the contemporary fandom as it is today. Can you tell me where the furry fandom has come from? Because anthropomorphization has existed for, um, you know, a lot of human history. You can go back to Aesop's fables, Egyptian mythology, um, or how they chose to represent their gods, that type of thing. But what we would call the furry fandom started quite recently. So can you tell me about it? How did it emerge? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, as you stated, anthropomorphized characters have been around for a very long time. But the fandom is more a recent um, a recent creation. And it's, it's really a community that was kind of born of this age of information, you know, as we as we started to kind of get more connected, more people found each other. And that's kind of one of the central themes of the film is, um, as one of our characters says, as Mark Merlino says, I'm not the only one. It was kind of a a big 
surprised to kind of find like this this kind of centralized idea but the fandom as a community draws its origins from the late 70s in the science fiction communities so think like sci-fi cons star trek um it was tied to the early anime communities uh, in fact the founding members of the fandom created the first anime club ever in the United States. They would, they would bootleg the anime signals or the, uh, they'd bootleg the TV signals off an antenna in Hawaii, record it on these big old tapes and do fan dubs and play them back for everybody. It, we have some really cute footage of that where it's just like stacked CRTs in a room. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's everything that you might imagine it to be. It's, it's cute. It's a little nerdy and it's just awesome. But the, the fandom kind of comes from that time where things were less connected and we had the um, the paper internet, like zine culture. I'm, I'm sure some of you out there are familiar with zines. They're a little less popular now, but um, that, that sort of carried us forward into the internet age where furry really exploded. I imagine for the average person that's listening to this, when they hear furry, they're thinking of something like, say, Zootopia, the Looney Tunes, you know, very cartoon-oriented stuff. But um, how, how, what, what kind of genres and styles does furry cover? Because it's it's quite broad once you start looking into it, isn't it? Oh yes, it, it is very broad. I I think the only real like centralized defining characteristic is being a fan of anthropomorphized animals you know quote unquote uh but that that lends itself to a very wide range of expressions so you could have people that are into really toony things right um think like um looney tunes or disney um i disney was disney was the gateway drug for many furries if you if you really you know sit back and think about it What's the influence of artists in the furry fandom? Because as I understand it, it is a very sort of visual-oriented topic. It's very much rooted in the visual arts primarily. And I notice that, you know, you can quite easily uh, cover a wide breadth of art genres. I've seen everything from, you know, like, uh, you know, abstract surrealism to... uh, cartoon drawings to imaginative realism um so tell me about furry art and the impact of artists well i mean one one could argue that furry wouldn't exist without the artists uh we're we're very much a unique community because we're a community that is literally run by artists it's kind of like an artist utopia (laughs) um it, it's it's really cool. It's it's something that's quite amazing. But um, the fandom kind of thrives off this um, economy of art, right? You know, like everybody has a character. They want to see their character. They want to see their character come to life. That's such an intrinsically furry thing. That's something that that kind of drives our community forward. You see that in you know the performance arts with fursuits and fursuiting. That's that's something that a lot of um, non-furries see as, hey, when you see somebody out there in one of those costumes, that's a furry. But more often than not, you know, not not every furry has a fursuit. 
it there's a lot of us out there that just enjoy the art, commission the art, draw the art, share the art. It's it is literally a community that is run and driven by artists. Tell me about your fursuit. Oh boy. Here we go. <laughs> We're deep dive type now. Uh okay, so um my my character's name is Ash Coyote. Yes, it's a super inventive name, I know. I mean my name's Ash, so I named my character Ash. Um Ash, she was she was born of a time in my life where I was going through a lot of changes. I I'm transgender and when I had commissioned Ash, it was actually supposed to be a different character altogether. And I came out as trans and the fursuit maker went out of their way and hit me up like really excited. They sent me a message and they were like, hey, can I make the female version of your suit? And I was just like, sure. And we were going to a con like that week and Three days later, while we're at the convention, I get this message from her saying, you should be receiving a package soon. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so we end up rushing down to um, to the post office because they, they held the package at the post office in Reno. Um, and hold on. Sorry, that was a fan going on in the background. Um so we, we ended up rushing down to the post office in Reno, picking it up, and I remember opening it up. And that was really the first time that I was able to be myself as a trans person because outwardly I was still coming out. I, I wasn't on HRT. I, I certainly couldn't pass. And I was struggling a lot with my own identity and being able to put on that fursuit um, and have people recognize me not only as my gender, but accept me and interact with me like that was life-changing. It was one of the most magical moments I've ever experienced. I want to um, bring it back to the documentary a little bit. Um, can you tell me when you started working on this and where the idea to make a documentary on the history of the furry fandom came from? So some of you might know, I have produced a web series of the same name, The Fandom, and I produced that back in, I want to say, well, I filmed it in 2018. It released early 2019. And it was a short series. It was kind of a response to a CNN documentary around the same time about furries. I, I just felt like they'd missed so much of what our community is about. They, they, they hit the usual things. It's like, oh, this is for people with anxiety and it helps them with their anxiety. Oh, this is you know, like, like whatever little thing. And they kind of, I mean, not to say anything bad about it because it was a largely positive piece of media, but they kind of whitewashed the fandom a little bit. I felt like they kind of were just like, oh, it's just a certain specific type of person that finds it. I don't even think that they had LGBT people in it. And 80% of our fandom is LGBT. So I, kind of just took it upon myself because I, I, I've been a filmmaker my whole life to just shoot this web series, get it going. And we got overwhelming response. I was just blown away by the response we got. And that, that led us to this conversation between my husband and I about, well, what do we do next? And he's like, 
have you thought about the history of the fandom? And I was like, what history? I thought we, I thought we kind of come about in like the 2000s. I think that, that that kind of showcases some of the ignorance about where our community comes from, because people don't realize that we've been around since the 70s. Like, it, I think it's really weird to talk to a furry now because, you know, most furries weren't even alive back then, right? And to, to talk to them and be like, oh, hey, did you know that furry was anything before the 2000s? And people get surprised because so much of the community nowadays is on the Internet. And, like, that accessibility of the internet really didn't come around here until, like, the 2000s when it just really, like, pushed everything. So, yeah, it was it was kind of a weird moment. He pitched it, and then I was like, let me research this. A few, like, coffee-filled evenings later, I had, like, two notebooks full of notes and I went over to our editor and my co-director on the film, and I was like, hey, I think we have a story. Let's make a movie about the history of the fandom. And like, I, I threw in my notebooks and I'm like, let's see if we could do this. And then we just were like, yeah, this is a movie. And we just moved on it. So we kind of had the inception of the idea of the film around March of 2019. What's the focus of the documentary? Give me some idea of the key points, what people can expect. And are you excited for people to see it? Uh, yeah, excited is an understatement. I am like absolutely thrilled to share this with people. Um, so the film. Uh, the film is the story of the furry fandom from the beginning. It explains a lot of the origins of the fandom it it answers a lot of the questions that people have about the fandom i mean there's a million different media articles that have been released about our community and no one's ever really got them quite right here you get to hear it straight from the source we, we try and give a very honest portrayal of furry and along the way, we blend that in with contemporary stories and voices from the fandom you get to see where we were, and where we are today, all in this kind of beautiful mashup of a film. Tell me about the LGBTQ plus elements of furry, because as I understand it, it's a very big LGBT space. Oh, it is. It's huge. So furry, at least from the statistics and studies that have been done on our community, is roughly 80% LGBTQ. It is roughly 12% transgender. I mean, if you, if you think about those numbers, just in, in comparison to society at large, yeah, the, the, the furry fandom is an LGBT space. And I think one of the magical things about that space is that I've always found it to be a very accepting, warm, welcoming, and open space for individuals. It allows you to express your identity in a lot of different ways without a fear of judgment, which, I mean, from my own experience, at least here in the U.S., and within the LGBT community um, outside of the fandom, that's not always the case. I've certainly run into pushback and other things for being trans, but there's a lot more harmony in our community kind of between all its members. It's 
just kind of it's kind of like a little you know like lgbt utopia in some ways but that's not to say that you know the community doesn't have its issues and it needs to work on so i imagine just as um just as one of my final questions um i imagine there are a a few listeners who might be hearing this and have a few uh misconceptions maybe a couple of stigmas regarding uh furry um so what would you what what would you say to people who might be a little bit skeptical do you think that they should give the film a chance give furry a second look and maybe uh try and approach it with an open mind yeah um i so I think I think the important thing to say here is that there's always a grain of truth to 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 where these kind of rumors and ideas and everything come from. You know, the goal of the film isn't to cover up these elements of our community. It's to explore it openly and honestly. If you go into this film with an open mind, you'll see that it's really no different than any other community out there. Um, I, I know the elephant in the room with the furry fandom is always this discussion of sex. Is this a a kink community? And the answer is no, but for some it can be. And it you can't just like erase that element. I mean, look go go look at an anime convention or a science fiction convention, or heck, go look at music videos online. The portrayal of sexuality is rampant in all communities. And guess what? That's normal and it's human and it's okay. So don't worry about it. <laughs> like just just yeah, just like like let it be, you know? Like it it people may be different. Roll your eyes, move on and like like sit back and just enjoy a good film. Um, we, we just try and be open and honest with this piece and I, a very heartfelt portrayal of the fandom as well. So I think that, yes, I, I believe that if you go into it with an open mind, you will find that you'll learn something new. You wanted to premiere the, uh, the fandom at film festivals, although considering our current circumstances with COVID and lockdown, um, have your plans changed uh, with how you're releasing the film? Not going to lie, uh, the pandemic put a huge wrench in our engine um, as far as the production goes. Um, we've we've dealt with delays across the board, as I'm sure everybody else has, but um, that, that certainly affected the film festival climate. Um, most festivals are canceled indefinitely for the immediate future, so we've had to kind of shift our whole release um, we're releasing digitally uh, for for streaming um, on YouTube July 3rd. It's free. Come and join us. Come and watch it. it. It'll be a good time. And if you feel like supporting us and the filmmakers behind it, we will be selling Blu-rays, 4K digital downloads, HD digital downloads off thefandomfilm.com. Um, and uh, how many people worked with you on this film? This film was a really, really, really small indie feature. We had three crew members um, on set, one of which was our editor for the film, too. And then two composers and a graphics guy that came in in post. And so we had a really small, tight team. 
Um, we had a very small budget. <laughs> as as these things go, you know, it's it's an indie project about furries. It's not, you know, like the big budget studio piece, but we tried to make it have that quality regardless. It was it was quite the fun experience. I I, I got to work with my husband for the first time on set. He he ran audio and produced the film. Uh, so special shout out to Chip. You're amazing. And then um, one of my best friends, co-director and editor on the piece, uh, Eric, uh, he came into this project and just did an absolutely amazing job. He was just an incredible person to work with. And um, just uh, for our listeners, uh, tell us when is this film releasing? Where can they find it? So the film will go live on YouTube July 3rd. It will be released there for streaming indefinitely. You can always go there. You can watch it for free. It will also be going up on Amazon Prime on the same day, uh, though after the premiere. So we're we're using YouTube as the, the live premiere for it because you can join in and you can chat with us, the filmmakers. We'll have a live stream afterwards. It'll, it'll be a lot of fun. And if you are interested in purchasing a copy, we will have digital downloads and hard media for sale off the fandomfilm.com. So that's where you can purchase that or off my Etsy store. My YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Ash Coyote. Fantastic. Um, thank you so much for coming on Joy 94.9. Thank you so much for having me. And that was independent filmmaker and director Ash Kreese. Just a reminder that you can pre-order Blu-ray and digital download copies of The Fandom on www.thefandomfilm.com. That's www.thefandomfilm.com. The film is also premiering on YouTube on the 3rd of July at youtube.com slash ashcoyote, where you can watch it for free. And that was Nicholas Kamenyar-Sandry with that excellent interview. This is The Informer on Joy 94.9, and we'll be back after this. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.